Hello and welcome to e-commerce growth stories. This is your hostess with the mostest, Juliana Jackson, aka the CLV lady. And also I am the chief evangelist for OmniConvert. And this is Derek, Chief E-Commerce Technologist at ecommercetech.io. And we're here again for a new episode of E-Commerce Growth Stories. Do you like snooping around? I know I do. I don't know, did you ever wonder what Sony uses to power their e-commerce business? Or Coca-Cola? Or Motorola? Or other big names in uh, e-commerce and retail? Well, today the secret is gonna be revealed. And I am talking about Vitex. Vitex is the first and only fully integrated commerce marketplace and OMS solution that offers fastest time to revenue and no upgrades, like ever. So if you're an e-commerce brand, and you're looking to find a software that can really become a powerhouse to your business, providing you the best go-to-market speed, flexibility, daily updates and reports, and overall platform stability and agility, you really have to check these guys out. So make sure you go to visit vtex.com, that's vtex.com today, and give that e-commerce business a boost. We have a great guest today, and I'm very excited about this conversation. We have Aaron Spivak, the co-founder of Hajj Blankets. Welcome, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much history to your story that I have to figure (laughs) out where to start. But first, just let me share a bit of info about you to the audience in case they don't know you yet. Aaron is a Canadian serial entrepreneur. He co-founded Revitalize when he was just 18 years old. uh, old. And now he is uh, the co-founder of Hatch Blankets, a company that he co-founded together with uh, Lior Ohio. And they are really, 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 really dominating the sleep industry. So first question for you that I'm trying to ask everyone, how did you get into e-commerce? And how did you get into e-commerce when you were 18? (laughs) It's <laughs> a good question. I mean, when I was 18, so when we started, um, Size was all about um, our brick and mortar store. We had one location in, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, and people would come and, you know, we'd sell the smoothies and the acybos. It was all healthy food. Um, and as we started to expand, I started to realize that expanding um, from brick and mortar is expensive, right? You need to take uh, all the money you've earned in the last few years and then pour it into a physical location and then build that location and then eventually market it and you, you know a good brick and mortar store gets money back within you know three to five years and as a young 18 year old i'm like that's that's way too long you know like i want i want to move way faster so and i met leo a few years later and he was um in the software side of, of e-commerce uh, i started to realize that you know, instead of to enter a new neighborhood in brick and mortar, you need to open in that new neighborhood. You know, you need to actually have a flagship location and do all that. But to expand with e-commerce, you essentially just need to expose yourself digitally to that neighborhood. And then you can eventually facilitate through delivery and all these different types of uh, distribution. So that's kind of what sparked my interest with, with e-commerce, how, well, at the time, how easy it's, it made me feel it would be. <laughs> And then um, kind of just snowballed from there. That's crazy. And like you went from healthy food and very mindful type of stuff 
to a very mindful type of industry, also the sleep industry, right? But it's such a big switch from food and, you know, healthy and in drinks and whatever to blankets. So you are selling the most popular weighted blanket in Canada, right? And probably more in more, you know, regions in America at the moment. You're very popular in Romania too. <laughs> but tell me why blankets and how, you know, how, how did you get to, uh, to this product? And uh, yeah, tell us about tell us a bit about the product and how you got to sell blankets. Yeah, so so my partner Leor, it was um, before we even met. He was volunteering at a camp for children with uh, special needs, all different kinds of uh, special needs, and they had this stimulation room. And um, actually, a lot of a lot of organizations have a stimulation room. A lot of public schools actually in Toronto have a stimulation room, and it's a room where kids can go and there's a bunch of toys and things they can relax, they can take a nap. Um, and way back, they had this kind of like weighted pad and uh, he felt himself like constantly hiding in this room and using this like pad to like go to sleep. Um, and then years later, when we became friends, we realized that that pad was never actually made for adults. They always made these weighted devices for children. They never made it for adults, but adults are anxious too. And we have a hard time sleeping as well. So uh, we were kind of left out. And then we actually did a little bit of research and realized that there were some brands out there that have been selling uh, adult weighted blankets. And so we're like, oh, well, problem solved. We'll order one for ourselves because we were selfish. We just wanted it for me. And um, once they arrived, we realized that they were just horrible. They're these big weighted bean bags and you know, you, they would sound like a rain stick at night and you'd, you'd sleep and all the weight would be on your shoulder and none would be on your legs. And that was just so, we were so frustrated that we were just like, can't be that hard. We got to make one that actually works. Uh, and then, you know, that's kind of that inspiration that started it. And then we started, you know, dissecting and designing and diving into the materials and, and really developing a product that would work for me and for us. And then we knew, if, you know, if it met our standard, that hopefully it would meet, you know, the master standard. Aside from that, uh, fulfilling your own need, which is always a great way to start a business and where most businesses stem from. Did you do any market research with like strangers saying, would you buy a weighted blanket? Like, did you know the size of this market and, and how big it could be? Did you just kind of guess at it, have a feeling about based on your own instincts? It's a good question, actually. So as we started our research, there was a Kickstarter that just started in the U.S. Um, and it was for one of our competitors. And it ended up being um, one of the largest Kickstarters of all time. Um, this guy was on like CNN breaking news uh, at the, at the table speaking breaking about news, blanket. Yeah, and it was it was insane, and and you know the the hype around it was was nuts, and we were just like, I'm just gonna order one from this guy because he's obviously figured it out. Um, but what we later realized was the demand was there, but he was actually just a really good marketer. He was still selling that same product. We had a problem with. Uh, in our early stages, uh, and he's he's got a long list of products that so he's he's really good at creating hype, and then he sells a product and he moves on, he moves on to the next thing. Um, so what we realized was that he might have not seen the potential that we did, uh, because a lot of these people who were buying the weighted blanket from him specifically, they actually had a pain, right? They they wanted to improve a pain in their life, and for him it was more of just like he wanted to sell as many blankets as possible. So we kind of came and said maybe we can actually take care of this problem for our for our people and um that's when we we have this blanket and we said okay how can we make it better but we this knew the demand was there because we saw what he did and it was it was insane yeah. 
So the, all right, so here are the takeaways from this. This is somebody else is validating the market for you, um, which can sometimes be a good thing or a bad thing because you are first at first thinking, well, they've they validated the market. They've also conquered the market. No reason to enter, right? But the second thing was was that you noticed the uh, differentiation factor in how you would come at it, which is product differentiation to somebody that might just be doing a pass through business and some marketing differentiation. And then uh, stemming from there, you know, this goes directly into everything that Juliana preaches, which is being retention focused and caring about the consumer. And you said, we can build a product that people really love and become, you know, a digitally native vertical brand around this product and this experience. And that person doesn't see that. That person just sees cost of customer acquisition, lifetime value, make a buck, and then I'm done. And so I think all of those things combined are where opportunity really lies for for success and growth and so i think i think uh you were in the you know a little bit of right place right time of course but you had to have the dedication and the skills to notice and invest uh how much did how what, what was the initial investment like i mean obviously you had to do a lot of product research you had to, you had to I, how many blankets did you go through to get this right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean so we're like, like like you said we're we're huge believers so me personally is um in innovation through iteration right i don't I think it's a lot harder to invent something from scratch. You know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, you didn't invent weighted blankets. And I'm like, well, I'd, I'd probably be dead because they've been around for almost a hundred years. Um, and a lot of products are actually just one or two innovations away from actually working uh, for the general public. I so see. when when we saw what was available and then still today, I mean, you can go on Amazon and find a blanket for $50. Um, and if you go on our website and you can see the differences. Um, those products that were out there when we first started are still there, but we knew we can iterate into a niche that uh, solved the real problem. But yeah, I mean, when we started, uh, we didn't have a lot of working capital. So Leor and I said, you know what, why don't we start with pre-orders? And um, we created a website, you know, simple Shopify website overnight, spent like, you know, old school, typical story. We spent like eight hours all night. We built this website, photoshopping <laughs> photos, did this whole thing. Uh, and we threw it out. And we said, you know, we're going to make any sales. Obviously, first day, you make no sales. And we're like, we need to, you know, we need to drive traffic. And one thing that we noticed that was uh, really exciting, uh, and if I were to, you know, restart a brand all over today, and if I had to recommend it, I would say, you know, if there's search for, your, for what you're selling, uh, whether it be on Google or Bing or whatever your main, search tool is, uh, then there's there's already people looking to buy your product. They just don't know about you yet because you you're not out there. So we knew, okay, we need some sort of validation because when you start a brand, you put all these hours in and no one's buying your stuff, it kind of gets depressing. So we needed, we needed that one or two Shopify notifications that we made a sale. So we said, if we can bid on our search terms and our search terms at the time were like weighted blanket, you know, it had hundreds of thousands of searches a month in Canada. We knew if we could just get portion of those searches and if our website was any bit good uh we can validate this and we did that we had no product yet and once we launched i think it was like on day two or three we made our first sale and then it kind of just started you know third sale fourth sale fifth sale next thing you know we have like 20 sales in a week and that gave us the confidence to go um i had you know my, my other business at the time leader at his business at the time like, okay let's liquidate all of those and make our first po and it was like 70 or 80,000. We gave, put all our eggs in one basket uh, because we had those 20 sales that made us feel good and give us the motivation to, you know, we have to fulfill these orders, right? We have 20 people who are waiting on us. So um, 
that's where we started and we kind of just snowballed from there. And I mean, the sales never really stopped. And then, you know, that's when you become a marketer and you start figuring out what levers to pull and do all that fun stuff. That's wow. crazy. You know, um, when I met you guys, I met you because I found you on YouTube. Right. <laughs> so nice. I was I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. And I think the way, you know, I don't know how I got to the pitch that you guys did to in Dragons Den. And when you got that investment. And uh for people that don't know, Dragon Den is like a Shark Tank type of uh, mm -hmm. show. So I saw that video when you had all the the jur uh, you know the jury dressed up in your blankets and sit and sleep in them. And yeah. you know, I, I, I knew back then I was like, yo, I have to talk to these people and see, you know, what they're doing because it was incredible. So I would like if you are uh, because we're here in the beginning of your history with uh with high blanket, tell us, you know, how because there's a lot of people that want to go for investment, right? And ask for uh, for investment. How did you go there in the show and ask for them? And I know you want it because you really, really killed the whole pitch. So just tell, tell tell us more about how you did that. How was the experience? Yeah, it was quite funny actually. When we, I was following one of the dragons on Instagram, and uh, she posted a story like swipe up to to submit a form to audition, and I was just like sitting on my couch one day, and I was like, all right, I'm just like typing out this form on my phone, and uh, a month or two goes by, we get an email saying, hey, like you've been invited for an in-person audition, so. You know, we grew up watching this show. I mean, every entrepreneur has been watching Shark Tank and Dragons Den, and you know, it's like an inspiration for all of us. So we were completely unprepared. We drive to this uh, audition. It's in a random like school somewhere. The, produ the producer is sitting there. We forgot some of our blankets. We only brought like some of them. We had no pitch set. We had no evaluation concrete. We walk in. It's us, and I think it was one or two other people. And we're like, wow, because we went, there's the Toronto one, which is like the main, like thousands of people go, but we went to like some random one, like far away, because we didn't want the competition. And we sit there and we, we watch this other gentleman go. And I mean, I feel terrible, but his idea was uh, a ladder that doesn't fall, right? So it has like these two things on the side. And if you tilt, it'll catch itself. And uh, I think he had someone in his family get severely injured from a ladder falling. So he invented this amazing product. The only issue was is when he actually demonstrated it, it fell. It was an older guy. <laughs> so that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. So and then we went. So, you know, our pitch was so bad, it wasn't that bad because we didn't get injured. So <laughs> we had, you know, we just kind of threw the blankets on the producer. And we're like, how do you feel? And she's like, You feel pretty good. And we're like, Exactly. So <laughs> uh, we left thinking, no way we're getting a call back. Uh, and then I guess they had to choose one of the people who were there. So they chose us. We were young. I mean, we had some good energy, but everything was, was off the wall. And then the next one was the pitch for the show. So you essentially just sit in this room and, you know, they're like, you're up. And then, you know, they, they put the mic on you and everything. Were you a bit and then, more polished the second time? <laughs> yeah. They made us like, they made us send them our pitch. And like, okay. the, in fact, they adjusted our evaluation. Like it's really about TV, right? It's not, uh, it's not about the investment. In fact, we never actually ended up taking the investment. Uh, we did on the show though. So it's really, really about TV and creating that, uh, you know, that drama behind it. And they, uh, they're really nice enough to promote our give back program, which is like something we've always done, but we just don't tell people about it because deep down we're convinced people don't care. So <laughs> we just kind of always did it and they highlighted it. And essentially once it aired, it almost doubled our business overnight, right? It really, uh, we really were able to connect with Canadians and 
um, it really validated who we are and what we're about. So it was okay, really cool. Two things here on this. The first thing is you got to tell us about the give back program. And I, I want to know why you think people don't care. Cause I've seen cause marketing have pretty good impacts on actual top line revenue for businesses. That's actually a good point. So, I mean, I don't want to say that nobody cares, but I don't think it's a, it's a massive, uh, you, you do it for you. Not that, for, yeah. Not, I don't not. think it's a massive needle that moves. I mean, we donate one in 10 blankets that we sell and then we donate one of five of the children blankets that we sell. So like we donate almost a million dollars worth of blankets a year. Wow. Uh, to thousands of charities across um, the city. And it's, I mean, we've gotten a lot of good things. We've got a partnership with Desjardins and it's been great, but you know, we notice a lot with uh, like our, our particular product is not like uh, it's not like if I were to have like a really nice t-shirt brand and then like we donate a portion and you're like, you know what, I'm going to buy my t-shirt from them because they actually have a social cause. Our product is very like, you know, pay, it's more of like a problem solution type product. So um, it's not, it is a luxury item. It's expensive. So it's not like, you know, oh, I'm going to buy one of those because I want to be fancy or bougie or whatever. I'm, it's more like I'm going to buy one of those because I need a better sleep and I want to feel better. And I don't really like the way things are going for me right now. And I need to, I need to change. Um, so for us, a lot of our, um, our sales come from that pain. It comes from the, it comes from the pain that either me, myself, or somebody I love uh, is not at 100% whether it's with their own personal life, whether it's for their sleep, whether it's their anxiety, whatever that pain is, uh, and it's worked for me, so I'll buy for them, or uh, nothing else is working for me, I'm gonna buy it for me. And it just so happens that we donate, so you kind of you know, you feel good, and maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit less buyer remorse, but I don't think it's a main needle for us. All right, um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, and it, that mm -hmm. is incredible that you're donating so much. Um, oh. My second question is escaping me. It, um, oh, it was about throwing the, the blanket on the producer. You have a product that is kind <laughs> of like, I don't know if I want this, but if you put it on me, I might like actually really love it, right? It's like, a, I need to try it before I buy it kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And you said you come from a brick and mortar background of sorts. So what do you, uh, how do you get this on people and convince them to buy it, uh, you know, when we're selling through e-commerce primarily? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, it's, yeah, it's exactly what it is. The second you feel that the blanket come on you, you're just like, you have this like, oh, like feeling, right? Just every like <laughs> Everything just comes out of you. You're just like, wow, I can't believe this is real life. So um, we have a hundred night trial, right? So we, we don't label it as try before you buy because we've seen, uh, we've tested that. And there's some stats of, uh, about people who just love to try things. Uh, but there is a security behind the fact that, you know, if you think it might work for you and you're not entirely sure, go online, you have a hundred nights to sleep with it. Uh, we've got customers that after five days message us and say like, Hey, I want to refund it. Just be like, you have, you know, 95 more nights. And then two weeks later, they're like, wow, I'm so happy you told me to keep it. Like, <laughs> used to it right. So, uh, and we did that for a reason. It's, you know, keep trying the product. It does take time to get used to. I mean, I remember our first sample of the one that we run now and I received it, I was like, Oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. Uh, then I kind of just kept sleeping with it and I was like, wow, this is really working for me. So it, it is an expensive ticket. And because like we're not breaking mortar and you can't just like put it on you, we have to find a way to get it in your home, in your bed for X amount of nights, kind of risk free. Right. So 
we've, we've generated that. And we've got anxiety behind buying this product. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is, and yeah. it's supposed to be reducing anxiety, but like right before I hit that buy now button, I'm like, do I really want to spend $200 on a blanket? Am I crazy? Like, <laughs> but then like, like, one, like you say, once it's, once it's on you and I'm thinking about buying one right now, I'm not even kidding. So uh, <laughs> I, I think the, the throw blanket is perfect for our, our downstairs couch. Area, so so. On that note, like we get, a, we actually cause sometimes we cause a little bit of anxiety because we're, where like the throw has been sold out for six months, right? So, oh, man. Uh, so everyone's like, you know, I ordered this thing two months ago. Like, where is it? And they're like, you're making me more anxious than I was before. But um, it'll be back in stock in February, which is really soon. But yeah, like there's, um, that's kind of been our, our little circle of like selling out and causing anxiety and trying to solve it at the same time. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I have a question, Aaron. You, uh, we were talking about brick and mortar, and the reason why I named this episode, dear manager Mark, are you reading Forbes? Is because <laughs> I saw LinkedIn that you used to work at Sportcheck, right? Yeah, yeah, that was my first so, job when I was sixteen. Yes. So <laughs> let's see if manager Mark watches or listens to this. <laughs> How much did the I so just for people that don't know, I have to share the LinkedIn post right here in the chat because I have it ready because I, I I really started liking you a lot after this because I related, I mean more than I used to, because I related with your story a lot. I've been told so many times you cannot do this, you're not good for this, this is not gonna happen for you. So when reading, I think you inspired a lot of people that felt just like you, you know, and gave them a push. So Tell us, how did you feel when you started selling the blanket in that store? But also, how did you feel back then? And, you know, did that influence the way you guys are really operating in the um, in the e-commerce world right now? Like, definitely. Um, you know, I was I was entrepreneurial when I was really younger. I was always selling, like, hats. I was a lemonade stand kid, you know. I was always on the corner trying to, you know, I bought stuff at the garage sale and flipped it on, on Kijiji or eBay and stuff. Um, so I was always very like consumer centric, right? Like I was, I was always dealing with the, with the buyer. And when I dealt with the buyer, you know, I would never be rude to the buyer. It doesn't make any sense, right? It, for me, it's always like, you know, we're bartering. I'm trading something that you deem more valuable than the money and you're giving me money, which I deem more valuable than this product. And we're just trading. And I, I never believed in, uh, being rude or, or having a, having that be a negative transaction. It should never be a negative tra transaction. We should both be happy because we're trading value. Um, and then when I got my first job and I was in this environment and it was, it was almost like we hate the customer from this specific manager because growing up, it was my favorite store. I would come in and it was different locations and stuff. The people were so warming and it was so fun. And we would talk sports and I would buy all my sports stuff and everything was so you know, nice about it. And then when I got this one manager, when I finally got the job at the place that I love, he was unfortunately a little bit miserable and started, you know, showing me uh, the dark side of dealing with people. And, you know, I would see his employees would be very, very angry at each other. And they, you know, guys would be, there was no coalition between us. It was so, you know, we're only chasing revenue. We're only chasing sales. And, the words you can't do it, uh, not possible. You don't know what you're doing, um, was just like a constant thing. And I'm coming from a background of, you know, why? Like, there's nothing here I can do that will make this better. Uh, and then eventually, when you know, when I quit, and if you read the LinkedIn post, you know, 
he was like, you'll never be a manager. And eventually when we started our own business when I was only 18, 19, uh, I made a commitment that I'll, you know, I'll never treat anybody like that. And so till this day, I mean, um, with Hush, I think, you know, it's been three years. We've had like one or two people leave us and they left us for you know, different jobs. They moved up, they, they promoted themselves. Um, you know, with Revita, we've had staff, you know, it's been seven years. We've had staff for seven years already. Um, and the biggest thing is, is that I, I truly don't believe that any of us is, is better or, or smarter than the next person. I think that we're all, we're all the same. We just have different experiences and we grew up differently and different privileges and stuff. But I don't think that we should put anyone down or, or, or treat people differently based on things they didn't control. Like the way I grew up and the way you grew up are completely different. So I have different experience, you have a different experience, but you know, I can't, pin that against you you know it's not your fault so you know for us it's really about being transparent and allowing people to be what they're really good at you know i was really good at selling hockey equipment i played hockey my whole life you know it was it was easy for me i was a, i was a professional at it specifically to the people who came in and knew nothing instead he put me on skis because he's like you're gonna fail at skis so go do skis right and it was like man why <laughs> Such a good story, and uh, I agree completely about treating treating your team. It's an amazing story. <laughs> Trust me, I shared your post with a lot of people <laughs> like me, underdogs, and we all just you know felt that thing because all of us, I think that you know, been through these experiences with people putting us down constantly. One day, you know, that little little dude is gonna raise up and do something. So yeah, very inspiring. And in general, all, all that I see from you on social media is very um, positive and very, I think a lot of people look up to you in terms of, uh, you know, finding a bit of, you know, uh, nice push to do, to do things, especially given that you started so young. So I would like to talk, because you're so young, I think you guys been two years in a row in Force 30 under 30, right? No, this is our first. I think this I is think the first time. Twice. Yeah, first time. Yeah. So how? How? Tell us. Tell us. How did you get there? How did you feel? Because I was so happy when I read that uh, article about it. <laughs> Good question. I don't know how we got there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We uh, we got a call a few months before saying that we made a um, we made a short list of like three thousand people. Um, and they're only going to choose 3,000 for our category, or sorry, 30 out of 3,000 for our categories. We had a very small percentage of them. Uh, so yes, it's a few questions, just making sure that the information that they read on the internet is true and, and our age is true and um, where we're at as a business is true. And then they're just like, well, good luck. We'll, we'll announce it on the day of and that's when you'll find out. So we thought that there was, you know, there was a chance, there was, a, you know, a small, small, small chance, but honestly, um, looking at the people who've made it in the past, I was like, I don't really think so. But uh, we woke up that morning. In fact, actually, I didn't even see it. Uh, I don't, I don't check Forbes every day, and so <laughs> I, you know, I just got a, I got a bunch of messages, and I was like, oh, we made it. This is cool. But um, yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say it's life changing. So I don't think it's something that everyone should strive build their whole life around achieving but uh it's definitely cool for the day and uh, you get to put it in your linkedin bio and people think you're awesome and that's about it and then back to work and then right now you gotta now you actually have more fuel on the fire so yeah yeah that's awesome and congrats a very big congrats to that yes yeah. yeah cool 
So I wanted to go a bit more on de- what Derek said because Derek inspired me. He has, you know, he does that. Um, <laughs> so I know you guys are very, very customer obsessed, right? I, you can tell that by, you know, how you speak to, you know, in general on your social media, what I see on your website, you know, and different uh, aspects of your business. How how you know it's look at e-commerce right there's you guys and then there's like 89 percent of the industry and it's it's real it's a very small percentage of uh, brand owners that really give a damn about their customers right so you guys are here in a very short minority and you really look at people's experiences and at customers while the uh, other 90, 89, 90% of the industry is looking at revenue and traffic and sales and Amazon and whatever. So why do you think, why do you, think you know, they are not seeing what you are seeing in uh, the relationship that you have with your, uh, with your customers? That's a really good question. Um, I think people, uh, it's not even my line. I think it's kind of like John, friend of yours, John as well. And then he talks about, uh, the customer journey versus the company journey. And, you know, if we're sitting here and all of us, you know, we're at a team of six, team of 10, whatever, whatever size it is, every day you speak about how we can improve the company, right? You know, what can we do to, to increase revenue, increase profit, increase sales, increase clicks, whatever, whatever department we're trying to grow, we're trying to do, we're trying to move that needle. And oftentimes to move that needle, you need to sacrifice the customer experience. It's just, it is what it is. You want to reduce returns, make it harder to return. It's very simple. You want to, you know, you want to increase uh, revenue, increase your price, right? <laughs> you, want to, <laughs> you, want, you want to increase your retention rate, you know, drive down offer after offer every single day to someone who just bought until they buy again. There's ways to do it, right? So if you send an SMS blast every single day, and we tested this, unfortunately, you will make more money, I can promise you, but people will hate you. You know, and stop texting me. I, I, we had a customer who bought five times from us. Uh, and during this test of email, of SMSing almost every day, sent me a text because uh, I usually respond to them when I try to at least. And he said, I bought from you five times and I'm never buying from you ever again just so I never have to receive a text from you. Ouch. Um, right. And he had a good point. Like, imagine I bought five, you know, imagine you bought five times from a company you love and they just keep harassing you with messages, right? But the data was that we were making way more money doing this, right? So it's that whole, like, company journey versus the customer journey. Um, and it was really it was really eye-opening to us to say, you know what, let's scale back a little bit, right? Because, you know, if you know anything about us, 2018, when we first started, you know, we were just like a... I think like a six hundred thousand dollar company. Then we, you know, in twenty nineteen, we scaled to like a seven million dollar company. And then twenty twenty, just under twenty million dollar company. We've been like two xing or three xing every year. We're we're just running and sprinting. Um, and just recently, we're just like you know, we need to we need to like not scale back, but we need to slow down and take care of our people. Um, and it's it's been it's been huge. It's really been we've we've stopped with the harassment. We're we're only providing value um and then at the maybe at the bottom of your value because listen if you're interested here's something if you're interested you don't need it um and your open rates go up your sales don't skyrocket but you have to ask yourself a question that we have to ask ourselves just be like what are we really chasing 
you know, what are we, what are we really going after? Are we going after doubling our sales again and like, you know, being on some news article or are we actually trying to build a connection uh, with people for a really long time? And some of the best brands in the world have been doing it for decades. And for some reason, uh, a lot of our, a lot of the smaller brands like us don't value that, you know, like Nike is never saying buy my shoes. They're always saying, check out this amazing athlete. They were so successful. They just won a gold medal. It's, it's, they're not even talking about their shoes. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know about that athlete who grew up like this and went like that. And they did a whole documentary on this one athlete had nothing to do with Nike, but you know that Nike's a part of that vision. And it's really where we're shifting our entire mindset to is our texts are now, like, I sent a text of Lior and I shirtless in Tofino, which is like, uh, um, a surf town in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. It's the first time we've ever been there. We literally sent a text. We're like, we've never been here. This place is beautiful. So if you've, ever, if you've never been here in Canada, you've got to come and check this out. No link. No go buy my product. No, by the way, here's 10% off. And that text converted more than any other text we've ever sent. Right? Because And, and the responses were crazy. We were like, I crazy. took an RV there. Go visit my cousin. You should. My, my cousin owns a... a a muscle thing, go eat in my, this restaurant. Like the responses were out of control. <laughs> because we were real, right? And building that connection is super, super important. And yes, it does sacrifice the short-term sales, but you know, the long-term ROI, non-measurable. Yeah. All right, That's I'm true. holding you, or I'm gonna, this is where we have to measure it. I agree completely in concept and execution on this retention uh, focus. And I think that brand connection you just described is actually really hard to, um, to pin down for a lot of people. So like, like you, you, you know, you, you, you did it right by just saying like, Oh, we're in Vancouver. Why don't we share this with our, you know, the whole company now, other organizations like larger ones, the marketing team couldn't pull that off because they'd have to get buy-in from the executives and there'd be, you know, so if the business was larger, there would be some like pushback from somebody to do something like mm -hmm. that. But you can see, you know, kind of the proof is it works really well. It's authentic and it's exactly what you want to be, which is just helping your customer in a general life sense, as opposed to selling them over and over. But we need metrics. So how do you how do you realign the organization from a metric standpoint towards retention? What new metrics are you looking at? Like open rate is open rate now preferred over say like sales revenue? Like what do you know? How do you how do you maybe change those those goals that are metrics still? I mean, we still we still track everything, and we still want uh, we also want to see green over red every month and a bunch of different metrics. The 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 methodology is not let's ignore metrics. The methodology is how do we improve those metrics uh, from the roots, right? Instead of just doing these little tactics on the top, uh, how do we improve it from the roots? And we know if we have more engaging content, if we dive deeper and if we segment deeper, right? We just launched a kid's blanket uh, and we made the mistake actually of emailing, uh, I think it was 60,000 people who don't have children, yeah, right? Because improper segmenting. So uh, it's really about not it's not the argument is not stop messaging the argument is stop messaging people who don't want to be messaged <laughs> you know or, or message people the, the message that they actually want to receive so we're all we're, we are we are tracking open rates we are tracking sales uh we are tracking uh repeat purchases which are up 25 percent year over year we are tracking um 
you know, how often someone will buy in a year, who are most like, who are most likely in our customer journey to buy again, uh, the type of customers that, that see best fit. We're tracking all of that. But the idea is, is, okay, all of that is important. We do want to improve that over time. But the idea is, is how can we do that without gimmicks? How can we do that without burning you know, through customers? <laughs> yeah. And just destroying our list and, and, and hammering people and, um, you know, I've got my junk mail. I opened it actually a couple hours ago, just just to look at it. And like some company emailed me a hundred times in ninety days, um, and I'm like, at what? Like you didn't offer me anything. You just kept telling me this sale, that sale, this product's good, that product's good. If you buy this product, we'll give you that product. It's like okay, cool. But at what? Like where's my value here? Why do I even buy? Why do I give a shit? You know, the reality is I don't. And most of our customers, as hard as it is to say. They don't give a shit about us. They don't care about our story. They want the product to solve a problem and move on. Um, and it's important to treat everybody differently and create the content. And that's the hardest part, which is why I write on LinkedIn all the time. I think creative people are, are forever going to win these next 10 years. I mean, being creative is the hardest part. Finding the problem and what the issue is, is like, like diagnosing a, a pain is easy. Finding the proper solution, the script, is, that's the tough part. I feel like there should be a magazine launch in your future. <laughs> you know, like travel the world, reduce anxiety, take the blanket with you, kind of like lifestyle story type thing where where your your blanket is part of the journey, but you're you're really just helping people live their lives a little bit better. No sales in you know at all in the uh, in the magazine kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? We're just we're really just re reinventing our content around just being just living a little, a little bit better, right? Just like if we can help like a half a percent, we'll take it. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are the customers saying about, uh, about how, what are the customers? What are your customers saying? How do they feel about uh, your product and the experience with you? Well, we just learned that actually, but <laughs> we just uh, we just got that, that retention study and it's cool. We're noticing, you know, for years we've been saying, you know, we, we help with anxiety and insomnia, anxiety and insomnia and ADHD and all these surrounding issues. Uh, and what we're noticing is that uh, a lot of our customers, yes, they do have anxiety and insomnia, but that's not the main, not the main reason they buy the product. They buy the product because they just want to live a little better. They want a normal life. Um, and it was eye-opening to us because we never even, we never promoted that, live a normal life, live, you know, live one, one or 2% better. We never promoted that at all. So. That's really the reason why our customers are buying. And, and, and um, the reason why our retention rate is so high, we don't sell a consumable, right? So if you sell consumables, 25% retention rate isn't even that good, but we sell a product that odd, the odds are you don't need to buy again, it should, should last. Um, yeah. But the retention rate is high is because I have a product that works for me, but my friend, he's not doing so well, and I'll go and I'll buy one for him. And so we have a huge gifting component about our product. and. Um, and people want their friends and their family and their loved ones to to live a better life as well. So it's really cool to see uh, the main needle mover for our product. It's amazing, yeah. And I'm uh, I'm really really happy that you guys uh, you know found that. And I think it pays off and it plays actually very well in how you guys look at John lurking. <laughs> um, he's sent here in the. I know, I know. Okay, thank What's you, up, John? <laughs> I am the I'm John's biggest terrorist on LinkedIn. We talk a lot. Uh, 
So I have a question from our sponsor from Vitex. They sent me a message right now and uh, they were lurking your LinkedIn. So they asked me, how did you guys manage to sell 3000 pillows in 130 hours? Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a couple secrets to it. Uh, none of it has anything to do with tactics. <laughs> the secret was is that um, we built brand for two and a half years before that. So, we, you know, those who had our product, uh, I think it was like close to 80,000 or 100,000 people had our product already. Uh, they were enjoying it. They were engaging with us. Uh, they trusted us. And, you know, we had, we, we essentially hyped it, standard, you know, standard thing to do with a new product. But the majority of those 3,000 sales, and I think there was like 2,800 pre-orders, and then we sold 200 on just like a couple ads a day out or whatever, uh, were our existing customers. And they sat back and said, you know, if Hush can make a blanket this good, their pillow must be good, right? And it's something that's unique about a pillow. Like, you know, I, I don't remember last time I bought a pillow before ours, but I remember you go to like a sleep store or something and you, you see like a pillow wall of like 40 different pillows and you kind of like punch like all these different pillows and you squeeze one and then eventually you squeeze the one you like and then you buy that one, right? You can't do that with ours, right? You kind of just like saw a photo and you're like, mm, I like it and you'll, you'll buy it, right? So a majority of our sales are that people trusted us, they believed in us, they knew that if we made you know, the first product of ours, was good, that they'd trust the next product. And it's the same thing with our eye mask, right? We released an eye mask a few weeks later and that sold, I think, not 3,000, but I think it sold like 1,000 or 1,200. Uh, and again, it's one of those things where people are just like, well, the pillow was good and the eye mask was good. I'm uh, sorry, the, the blanket was good. I'm going to get the eye mask. Uh, and that's how we really sold it. But we did generate, uh, we did make a new pillow, right? It wasn't a pillow that has ever been done before. We created our own uh, type of foam that is micro, it's microfiber. So it does stay poofy, but it does have uh, memory foam. So it doesn't mold to your head over time. Completely adjustable, which by our research before we surveyed a lot of our customers and Everyone was just like, I bought a pillow and it's too puffy. I bought a pillow and it's too thin. I bought a pillow and it's too hard. So we're just like, why don't we just make a pillow that you can customize exactly how you like it. So people can make it poofy and small and easy to wash. So all the pain points that we found with the pillows on the internet, uh, if we just said if we can take care of those and you know, we'll have buyers. That's awesome. Pill pillows seem like a good next step. I feel like you've you've done a great job expanding the product line uh and then you've got this this recent move into the the paw patrol blanket what what's it like um partnering with a brand on a project like that how did you how did the conversation start how did the deal close like i, I mean mm -hmm. you're you know did you did you feel like you you had negotiating experience or or like experience <laughs> in this thing or was this just like i have no idea what i'm doing let's figure it out though <laughs> Yeah, pr pretty much, right? We we flew to Montreal um, in January of 2020, so it worked out just before Corona, and uh, we met with them and you know kind of told them our idea, and you know they weren't they weren't super interested. You know they they make hundreds of millions of dollars selling just regular twenty dollar blankets at Walmart uh, with the Paw Patrol labels on it, and ours was is expensive and it's it's high end, it's niche, and they weren't super interested at all, so. You know, our, we came and said, you know, we have data that shows that we sell kids' blankets as it is, right? We have, we have our, our in-house design, we have a spaceship and a unicorn, and, you know, they're doing quite well. So there, there is kids out there who want 
a weighted blanket in general, specifically the Hush, uh, wouldn't it be cool if it had, you know, the Paw Patrol design? And it took about a year, but essentially uh, six six months throughout, you know, they said, you know what, let's let's do a trial, let's test one for for a year. Um, we were able to, you know, they come with these minimums and stuff. We were able to negotiate our minimums down a little bit. Um, and then they, they kind of just gave us the rights and they said, go for it. And they, they've been actually great. They designed the blanket. They, they give us all the marketing materials. Uh, they helped us with the blocks. Um, they're very, 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 very particular on how everything needs to be done. But, um, yeah, you know, once we got that, we knew that, uh, we can satisfy a huge amount of our customers that are Paw Patrol fans. And, um, yeah, and then a year later, you know, almost exactly a year later, we launched in the end of January, we, we launched, uh, which was great. You're, you've only, like, this. the company's relatively new, so you're making big <laughs> investments, it sounds like, behind the scenes. How do you how do you juggle all this and the growth of the company? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're completely bootstrapped. So it's just Leo and I, we've never, never taken a dollar from, from any bank or, or people or some of these new Facebook funding agencies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we haven't done any of that. Um, they're pretty modest lives. I mean, we don't, um, we're young, we're, we don't have children yet, or we don't have a big mortgage to pay. So we, we keep it really, really lean. Uh, we reinvest pretty much every dollar. I think uh, we're on year three and Leo and I just started paying ourselves. We're not paying ourselves anything crazy. Uh, we reinvest a ton. You know, we, we've had a huge issue like I mentioned before with the throws that we've been out of stock forever. Um, so we made a commitment. I, I still call that a good problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a champagne problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, no we made problem. a commitment. <laughs> we just made a commitment that we're never gonna we're never gonna be out of stock ever again. So you know we, we sunk a bunch of money into inventory. Uh, we haven't kept our promise. We're only about eighty percent in stock at any given point, which is okay. Um, and yeah, you know we're we're investing into new products for those. There's only hundred people listening, hundred six people listening. So you know we're working on a mattress, um, which is taking like five months so far. You know I, I wanted to make a mattress that doesn't exist. And if you know anything about the bed in the box industry, there's a lot of mattresses that exist. So creating something completely different, serving our customers. Um, and yeah, you know, we really want to dominate the sleep space because uh, specifically in Canada and we saw in the US and, and in Europe actually a little bit, but uh, in Canada, this, the guys who've been crushing the sleep space are old. They've been around for a long time. Uh, some of them 40 years. Um, and we've spoken to them actually, and they don't know, they don't need, they're moving to e-commerce and they got no idea what they're going on. And, and there's a huge opportunity for us to come in and actually offer a catered experience that actually takes care of a problem for people. So, um, that's our play really. And, you know, we still to this day stand as the, uh, the, the largest, uh, weighted blanket seller in the world in terms of, of variants. We have the most SKUs. Uh, we've got blankets from five pounds all the way to 35 pounds and five pound increments. Um, and no one really does that. Most people offer like 15, 25 and like, that's it. I, so is, is, is that mean the future of hush blankets is that you evolve into hush sleep? Like, you know, or hush.com <laughs> is, I, I bet you've been looking at that. Almost. <laughs> uh, we just, we just bought hush.ca. So okay. there uh, you go. we'll make, we'll, we'll be making that transition. I think, um, Monday, February 1st. Yeah. So oh, we'll be hush, 
<laughs> this is amazing. I mean, that's it's it's a um, it's perfect growth, and I think for those listening, the the it, this is called the progression of the business. If you'd started with you know with that grandiose vision of launching mattresses and pillows and all those things, you would get distracted trying to build all the products, and you wouldn't have nailed the blanket, which was the reason you're you know you were able to layer on the other things successfully. So, I think one hundred percent. Yeah, I had to make any recommendation. It would be to find that one or two things that you can do really, really, really well and just win it uh, and then eventually build from there. Yeah, I love that. But okay, so that's everything is great. But tell us, where did you mess up in your (laughs) history? How much much time do we have? (laughs) No, tell tell us a story where you messed it up badly and how did you come out of it? Our biggest mistake ever, we made a lot, um, but I would say I, the biggest one, at least the one that hurts me the most, uh, wasn't even uh, wasn't even the most uh, the biggest financial mistake we made. I mean, we made a big one with our Kickstarter. We, you know, in short, we, we launched a massive Kickstarter. We sold uh, fifty thousand blankets all over the world, which was a mistake. We had no idea how to. We didn't even have a VAT number. We couldn't get into Europe. So many mistakes, uh, and then we trusted a shipping logistics company that. Um, we didn't bet, which is our fault. We should have vetted it. We should have asked around and they said they can do it all. Sent them all of our products. And then they sent 13,000 people, uh, a, when they ordered B and then C when they ordered D and oh. <laughs> oh, $1.5 million, you know, Kickstarter, your margins essentially exactly a hundred percent if you're lucky. So if you mess up the first order, the second one's free, you have to reship it all again and we made zero dollars. But that was that was one mistake. That was a financial one that, that we made. But the, the one that hurts us the most is in 20, 2018, I believe. And no, 2018, I believe, was our first Christmas. It was our first Q4 ever. Uh, so we had no idea about like there's there's Golden Week. And if you don't know about Golden Week, essentially, if you order from China, if you order after September 30th, essentially, you're not getting your stuff in time for Christmas. You could try. You can airship it. But I mean, by sea. Um, we had no idea. So we knew, okay, it takes, you know, 60 days to get our stuff. If we order in October, it'll arrive by Christmas. We're good. Right. Cause the math is there. Little do we know is that there's millions of blankets. There's not getting, you're not even getting on a container. So, you know, we pre-ordered, we, we sold out in September because we launched on Amazon prematurely and it liquidated our stock. So we went to pre-order and we told everybody guaranteed Christmas delivery because our math made sense. 60 days, it'll arrive the first week of December. We got two weeks to ship it out. We're good. Uh, and we had a mass, I think it was like three or 4,000 back orders. And it came time for our stuff to arrive. And December 15th, I believe it was, our stuff was still on a boat. Uh, there was like some sort of typhoon or something going on. And we messed up and ended up being uh, 6,500 people's Christmas orders. Uh, and you know, our, at our price point at like 200 plus, uh, the hush is usually the anchor gift. It's like the, it's like that or the PS three at the time, right. Or the PS four. Um, so for us, it was like a lot of people with empty spots on the, the Christmas tree. We had to, I remember I hand wrote like 4,000 notes and sent out stickers and t-shirts and whatever we did and make it better. Um, so that was our, our biggest, biggest mistake. And, um, it's funny actually, cause some of our, some of those customers actually bought again. Um, 
but it was it was terrible. We had like a forty five percent refund rate. Uh, if, if people ask me all the time, why does our Better Business Bureau rating is still a one point It's because of twenty nineteen. We had forty five hundred people that created a Facebook group. They went together to the BBB and just littered with reviews, uh, rightfully so. I mean, we screwed up. So uh, yeah, that was our our biggest uh, mistake by a mile for sure. We we didn't we underestimated what's going to happen in China for our first time. I think that's great information for the people listening that are just starting this to order their stuff in time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank you, thank you for sharing. That. A mistake you won't make twice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one that we now we order well, 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 and also your first time delivering, going through customs and all this type of stuff is. It's challenging. It's not as fast. They don't know who you are. So when we actually hit the we actually hit the border, Canada on the nineteenth. So we're like, wow, we can we can express. We'll pay next day shipping. We can make this happen. Uh, little did we know, it was our first time. So the border police were like, hmm, you're putting weighted sand and pockets, and like you have thirty five thousand pounds worth of. No. We're gonna start opening oh, these I see things, what right? In here. <laughs> so they no one's selling that blankets. many weighted blankets. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. So they uh, they inspect hand inspected, which took another two weeks. It was just it was terrible. But yeah, that's that's crazy. You watch those border patrol, you know, movies where they look <laughs> yeah. imagine them just really that looking at them. That's crazy. Well, I have one more question for you. And uh, Derek, do you want to ask yours or should I ask mine? Mine mine is petty. Okay. So I want to, I want to, it's not a question, but I would like for you to send a message to your competitors right now. (laughs) (laughs) A hundred people here. It's just the people on all the, you know, platforms send them a message. Uh, Honestly, I, I, I love my competitors. I think um, I think we learn well. You know, it, it's when we first started, we looked up to them, we watched everything they do, and subscribed to all their email lists. And you know, now it's fun to be to be the leader because we do something, and then I see like two weeks later that they do it. You know, we change the way we send our emails. Two weeks later, they're they're copying our emails. Um, but I, I mean, a message to them is 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 to to keep going. I mean, I I wish they all. You know what happened in our space was uh, everybody was at the same price point when we first entered, and there was no there was no real parity. Uh, and then we made a decision early on: every single time our competitor would drop the price, we would find a way to improve the product, come up with a new product, and then we'd raise the price. And then we've done that three times already. We have the 2.0 now. Um, so now that our competitors have went from I think it was 150, we all started at they're they're at like 75 bucks, and we're at that you know 289 plus. Uh, and we've created a huge gap. So my wish, my message is, uh, you know, go back on your plan and, and, and improve the product and, and you know, come meet us and, and provide you know, some level of, of competition and content. Um, you know, we always say, like, why are we the only ones putting out content? And like, why don't our competitors, like, you know, provide some value here? Um, but yeah, that's... I, I, I honestly don't know another weighted blanket selling brand that's as vocal as you guys. I couldn't name one. <laughs> we spoke to uh, to one of our competitors, and uh, he's actually a really nice guy. Uh, yeah. And he lived in my building back in Toronto, actually. And no. Just, yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, <laughs> we see him in the elevator all the time. And 
he always every time i saw him he'd say thank you because he's like you drove you drove up the searches for weighted blankets you made it more popular and then people search for cheap ones they come by mine and i don't have to spend any money on marketing <laughs> and i'm just like are you kidding like do like do something he's like no no no, you do it all i'm like i'll just be the cheap version for the people that don't want to buy yours yeah, like, yeah fair, fair they get your runoff that's i think that yeah. that's a sign of a market leader right is that you've got people yeah. capturing the runoff from from uh from your success and uh this is awesome i i really 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 loved everything about this episode so thank you thank you for being here and sharing you know so much with us wow what an amazing episode aaron's story is nuts I don't, know, I don't know too many entrepreneurs that start at 17, 18 in e-commerce and, you know, they just meet so much success, but still, you know, keep on being humble and awesome and, you know, does a lot for his community. And they are really, really dominating the sleep industry with Hush. So, you know why they're doing that? Because they're focused on customer lifetime value. They're focused on building relationships with their customers. So if you do just a bit better you are doing better than 80% of the e-commerce industry. So, oh, you know, take Aaron's example today, invest in building relationships with your customer long-term and things are going to change for you. So just do a bit better. Anyway, thank you for listening today. This is Juliana Jackson, a.k.a. The CLV Lady. If you want to be on the show or if you want to say hi to me and tell me how amazing I am, reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn at Juliana Jackson. And I'll be happy to reply to you unless you are a weirdo, of course. This podcast was brought to you by Vitex. Vitex is the first and only fully integrated e-commerce marketplace and OMS solution that offers fastest time to revenue and no upgrades ever. So go ahead, check them out, vtex.com.